the part that like, pisses me off when it comes to the whole rebuild mentality. Yes, it's stupid in the fact that they were a playoff team a year ago, and now it's like, well, maybe we got to rebuild. The Raiders were just in a rebuild a couple years ago, but none of it panned out. You traded away Khalil Mack, you traded away Amari Cooper, got three first-round draft picks, and so far the only guy that's been good is Josh Jacobs. You've cut so many guys off this football team that were first-round draft picks. So when you want to go through a rebuild again, you got to sell me on it again, because the first time you did it, it didn't pan out. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Everyone these days has an opinion. Butthole or podcast. And all of them stick. Except for this one. Welcome to Just Your Opinion, Man with Stephen Langford and Derek Papa. Hello on. Get any worse than this? It could, yeah, sure. It, it can always get worse. I mean, they could be winless, but uh, I'm assuming you're talking about the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome everybody to Just Your Opinion, man. Uh, midweek show. Alon to say, joining me for uh, this Wednesday show. Um, and all last week we talked about Raiders can't possibly lose this game, right? Raiders can't possibly lose this game. Sure enough, they did. 25 to 20 to Jeff Saturday, and who was introduced last week in his only coaching criteria before this was uh, being a high school coach. So the Raiders are two and seven, something I never thought I would say this season. And we'll talk about, uh, well, we're joining you tonight on a Wednesday uh, when the Warriors are playing the Phoenix Suns, and as we have it right now, the Suns are beating the Warriors, who have yet to win a road game this season. They're disappointing as well this season. Not as bad as the Raiders, but uh, currently the Phoenix Suns are winning 42-37, to so I will update you with uh, the score as we go along tonight. And we will talk about the Niners, and we will talk about um, the crazy game in Buffalo between the Vikings and Bills and all the other games. And Alon, uh, I finally won. I know you did. And yeah, our, Thursday, our Thursday head-to-heads, only because I picked the under. <laughs> that was a terrible game between the uh, Panthers and uh, Falcons. And, um, yeah. I, uh, I will say this. I did come through for punishment, finally. Um, if you saw Sunday, uh, I ate six Atomic Wings live on the stream. For you and for Steven. And I think we're even now. And I'm going uh, to... God, six atomic, Derek? You didn't have to do atomic. Oh, I did, sir. You're you're a trooper, dude. Uh, <laughs> I, I would have yeah. let you pick whatever flavor you wanted to, as long as it was kind of... It's part of, of the punishment. It's part uh, of the punishment. But I, but, I, but I will say this. Uh, I usually can handle it. Usually. Through my years, as Steven said last podcast, I volunteer to eat mango habanero slash atomic wings from Wingstop. And as I get older, my friend, it does not sit with me well. So uh, I'm officially retiring from atomic wings. Um, Sunday was a good day. Loved the football. Spent most of it on the toilet, though. It's it's hot going in one end, and it's hotter coming out the other. <laughs> oh, dude, it's terrible. You know, like all those... Uh, so bad. You, have, you, you know those Connell wipes? Like adult yeah. wipes, yeah. Went through, went through all a of those pack. in a day. It's bad. 
you were like uh, uh, George Zimmer and uh, the old bench coach for the Yankees. Uh, I was like, old, I was uh, like George Brett. <laughs> George, you were like George Brett. You were fired up on the on the toilet. Yeah. But you remember those old Preparation H commercials that they had Zimmer, uh, Don Zimmer, not George Zimmer. Sorry, George Zimmer's a different guy. I don't, I don't remember <laughs> so those either, though. He would, he would be in like in the back of the limo, and he'd be like, oh, oh, like while it was going over bumps and stuff, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, I want to make sure, yeah, it was Don, it was Don Zimmerman, and he would be like, in, in that the, was the uh, guy that Pedro Martinez Zimmer. pushed over, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. it was exactly, it was, uh, it was Don Zimmer. So, uh, Don Zimmerman, the, the coach for, um, am I getting that right? For, for the Yankees, Don Zimmer, yeah, big, they, big, fat, big, big old fat guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Don yeah. Zimmer, yeah. yeah, so the one that Pedro kind of like, you know, bullhorn down to the ground. But anyway, yeah. he, had, he had these great commercials. And he's like, they're going over bumps. He's like, oh, oh. And it's just so uncomfortable. I used to love those. Hey, man, it feels good on the whole. Feels good on the whole. Yeah, that's good reference there. On the whole. On the whole. Um, all right, Alon, let's get right to it. Raiders lose to the Colts. 25 to 20. And going into it, I said that this... It's not the worst Raider loss of all time, believe me. We we all remember John Gruden being the Raiders in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl thirty seven. Yeah. Um, the thirty seven. Yeah. That, yeah, that's Super yeah. Bowl thirty seven, and they. Uh, yep. 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 Two thousand two. They lost. They lost, and I can think of other terrible games in Raiders history, but this one might be the most embarrassing. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, this is because of circumstances. This is the most embarrassing for sure. The talent that the Raiders seem to have on their roster, or the perceived amount of talent, which I think they do have a lot of talent. Um, the fact that they have people in their building who have been coaches before, who have called plays before, the fact that you get beat by the ultimate unknown of unknowns in terms of coaching, Jeff Saturday, who gets his guys to buy in in the span of three or four days. I mean, he was there for five days, but that first day was probably getting all his shit into the office and like trying to get ready. Yeah. So he had four days of prep with that team, really. And then um, Frazier, uh, Parks Frazier, who had never called plays before, uh, you know, calls enough plays to beat Patrick Graham's defense. So you have experience on one side and a total lack of it on the other. And that, that other side bought in and they won. It is – I can't think of another, in terms of me following the Raiders, I can't think of another loss that has been that that embarrassing. The only other one I can kind of think of was, I want to say, back in like 2008, maybe 2009, Jamarcus Russell was a quarterback. The Broncos came in on a Monday night and lit the Raiders up like 42-17. to 17. But even that wasn't like – wasn't like this and I was at that game so that one really sucked but this was just like you had the lead you had a you had the lead you punch the ball out all you gotta do is fall on it you don't they go and score like ah it's just Matt Ryan has his best rush of his career 40 yards yeah, for 40 old yards. slow Matt Ryan on yeah, a third dude. and four and the last and time I saw a Colts quarterback do that was at the Peyton Manning. Open Coliseum Peyton Manning so I was at that game <laughs> and that was back in 2007 so things don't change yeah I wasn't uh, at me, this game though thank god me oh, so, you, so you didn't go oh I, I sold my tickets sorry sorry Raider Nation I, but hey it looked like there was still a lot of Raider fans there just very angry ones I didn't want to be a part of that 
Well, I, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I I know you're a diehard fan, but what's your what's your feelings going forward as far as you wanting to attend games this season? I'll still go. Like I've, I plan to go to the uh, Chargers game on the fourth. Um, I sold those Patriot tickets before the season even started. Same with the Niner tickets on New Year's because I knew those were going to be hot ticket events, and I was just like, I've been to enough. Yeah, I felt bad about the Patriots one because I've never seen them play in person, but. Um, I'll go to a few more games. I'll definitely go to that uh, Kansas City game uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean, dude, like I, I, this might be the lowest of the low for me. Like, and this is why I kind of, you know, this is exactly why I kind of gave up, and I'm not mm-hmm. interested in the team. I mean, like, believe me, I sound like a fan right now. I'm not as diehard as I used to be. I would probably have just gone crazy and and broke shit. If I was still the same Raider fan I was back in the day, if yeah. I watched this game, you know, as a diehard fan, I just kind of took it in and I kind of laughed and I was like, you got to be kidding me. This mm-hmm. is insane. So, and me and Steven were joking about it on the pregame show on Sunday where we joked saying, if you are in a slump as a football player, play the Raiders. If you're mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill, you'll have a great day against them in week three. If you're Alvin Kamara and you got trade rumors, go for three touchdowns against them. Sure enough, Jason, or sorry, Jason, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who has not done much this season, goes for 147 yards and a touchdown, 60-yard touchdown against the Raiders defense. It's illusion of complexity. <laughs> it is complex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, kudos to Jeff Saturday. Um, he said in his introductory press conference that he was not going to go back to Matt Ryan and he was going to play Sam Ellinger. Sure enough, he pulls a Steve Kerr who lied to Tim Kawakami and said that he wasn't going to start Andre Iguodala did. And, you know, as one of my favorite quotes of all time, I am a coach, you know, I don't have to have morals in this so I can lie to you. Same thing with Jeff Saturday. He lied to the media and he started Matt Ryan. Good for him. Good strategy. I'm surprised most more coaches don't do it. But I I am at a loss for words. I uh, this is again this is kind of why I've lost interest because this team just disappoints all the time, and this might be the most disappointing Raider team of all time. I'm going back to even 2003, where they were fresh off a Super Bowl. Of course, they lost, but they went four and twelve, and it was the first four and twelve Super Bowl a team coming off a Super Bowl to have that record the following season. I go back to 2017 where the Raiders had a great season. Um, You know, obviously what happened with Derek Carr was sad and he broke his leg and their playoff dreams were squashed in the first round because we started third string quarterback Connor Cook. And then they decided to announce the move to Vegas. And then, you know, you're hoping for a few more good seasons, seasons in Oakland. And then, you know, they shit the bed and, don't do well. And then they fire Jack Del Rio, bringing John Gruden. You think they're going to have a couple more good seasons before they leave for Vegas and Gruden's going to, you know, get him in the right direction before they leave and one more good one for Oakland. And then he guts the team and they're rebuilding. This, this I think takes the cake. Uh, I, I think this is the most disappointing Raider team of all time. Um, there's really no way around it, honestly. And a big reason why I'm not a fan anymore is uh, the direction of the team. And the mentality of the team. And I know you're in Vegas, Alon. You still support the Raiders and everything. And I 
commend you and a lot of Raider <laughs> fans for doing that. But I just can't do it anymore. That's why I gave up a long time ago. And in the main, one of the main reasons is Mark Davis. And I'm not trying to be biased here with everything with my father, and but he's just, I don't know. He, he's definitely not his dad. He's not his father. And if his dad was around right now, he probably would have fired Josh McDaniels at this point. And I'm not telling him to fire Josh McDaniels. I am just simply telling him his comments to Paul Gutierrez are bullshit. 100% bullshit. And I'll get to those in a little bit. But just as far as the game itself, um, the Raiders just played with a lack of enthusiasm and intensity and pride and wanting to show that they didn't want to get embarrassed. And um, it was just pitiful. And, you know, I see a lot of people giving kudos to Jeff Saturday, and he deserves it. But at the same time, I like to see what he does against a team with a little more pride. The Eagles, yeah. Yeah, and and he'll, he'll play them this Sunday. And, yeah, yeah, I would love to see what Jeff Saturday does against this Eagles team. And I see, you know, a lot of people that are friends with Jeff Saturday going after what Bill Cowher had to say and what Joe Thomas had to say. Even though I think those guys were a little aggressive in their opinions of Jeff Saturday, they – it still is a slap to the face to hire that guy. I understand. Like, I, I get it. Jeff Saturday has accomplished much in this league, but you can't tell me that hiring him was kind of an FU to a little bit to the guys that are already on that staff that have been there. Yeah. And it, it could be that, you know, and Jim Ursay in the locker room after the game, you know, <laughs> give, giving him the game ball and everything. It was a good moment for them, especially when Josh McDaniels turns down the job. I mean that that if you're not pissed off after that, if you're Josh McDaniels, like I I I, I can't say that you're really a, a competitor. You turn down that job, and then a guy comes in, and you know they fire Frank Reich, they they hire a guy with no coaching experience, then he beats you. That's embarrassing. That's yeah. really embarrassing. So, kudos. I mean, yeah, like I I keep saying it, but kudos to Jeff Saturday. I still think that it was a ridiculous move to make, but we'll see what he does the rest of the season. I could be totally wrong. Um, but yeah, man, we'll get to the comments and Derek Carr and everything post game, what Devonte Adams even had to say, but just your reaction after that, after, you know, you're watching that game, your reaction afterwards, just the realization that they lost this game. They're two and seven and where they were a season ago is not even close. Yeah, no, it's not. And <clears throat> so I've always been a different type of fan, I should say. So, and you know that, Derek. I mean, no, I know. I'm I know. Kind of all sunshine and daisies usually. And I don't try to get to like wall it down. But I like to see good football, especially when a team has players that I know have performed in the past and I know, or at least I think that they can still perform. Um, Devontae Adams being one of them, Derek Carr being another, Max Crosby being another. Well, right now it really seems like those might be the only three players that you can even rely on uh, week in and week out. And and that is a huge issue. Um, You know, watching the game, I I rewatched it a few times just to kind of see what was going on. Uh, I do – I'm a big fan of what McDaniels does offensively or what he's done in the past. I'm not such a fan of what's been going on with this Raider team and how they've been uh, performing with it. Um, 
there there are a lot of you know one of the interesting uh, comments that was made earlier in the season. I don't know if it was Devonte Adams or it was Hunter Renfro, but I think it was Devonte Adams who said it. You know, there's no dummy routes in the system. Every route's live. Everyone has a chance to get a ball on any given play. And when you watch it, that doesn't seem to be the case. It looks like there's a lot of too deep. You know, multiple receivers running, trying to exit. You know, create space on one side of the field for an underneath route, which is fine. But it's very interesting because with John Gruden, their car was becoming pretty damn good at firing the ball down the field. And he had shown glimpses of it in 2016 and even in 2017 before he hurt his back and before, you know, the team kind of fell apart. But this seems much more designed for him to check, not check it down. It seems designed for him to pass underneath. And I don't, it's almost like he's got to relearn how to do that. And it's so funny because it's something that so many Raider fans and, and people who watch the team have criticized him for doing his entire career, which he has at times, but really recently, the last couple of years, he hasn't. So that's one of the things. There's a lot of passes to the running back. I love it. I love getting Abdullah involved. I love getting Josh Jacobs involved uh, that way because I think he's very underrated in the passing. Um, because if he does get his hands on the ball and, and, and as a receiver, he can make guys miss and he can trudge for yards. But yeah, just from the way they played the game offensively, there wasn't a lot to write home about. But I keep looking at the defensive side of the football, and I wonder some of these simple things just aren't getting done correctly. Uh, you have a player who knocks a ball out, just a perfect punch, and there's three Raiders close to the ball, closer than any Colts player is, and the receiver comes back and gets it himself, like five yards away from the play. So those are things like that where it's, you know, you're trying to scoop it and make a play. No, just fall on the damn ball. Know the situation. A lot of that is coaching, getting through to the players, but a lot of it's also on the players too. You know your freaking job. Just just go do it. So they haven't been able to do it. They've generated zero pass rush outside of Max Crosby. Uh, the interior of the defense, I, I think Billings is a decent player. However, um, much like Hankins, you can't keep him out there for extended periods of time. Hankins, I think you could a little bit longer. Um, but – you know, just because of what they're built to do. Their linebacking core is decimated. Blake Martinez wasn't was a stopgap more than anything. He retires. Uh, they recently signed Reggie Ragland, which I love for other reasons. But, um, you know, and I think he's a decent player. He was okay with the Chiefs. But, uh, yeah, defensively, they are all out of sorts on the back end, and they're not generating pass rush. So if you're not generating pass rush and you're out of sorts on the back end, you're going to have people rip you. And I will say this last thing. It's very funny to see, obviously, teams always put out more positive stories about themselves on their official websites or through sources that they're close with. But I, I saw an article before last week's game, you know, why the Raiders' run defense has been successful this season. And I, and I was thinking to myself, uh, probably because their pass defense is so bad, no one, <laughs> no one needs to run on them. You right. can just dump the ball off or go deep or really go wherever you want. So – it was just a bad. It was a bad performance. Uh, they had a chance to go down and win it at the end. Uh, I, I don't mind taking a shot to Devonte Adams, even if it is against uh, Gilmore. But the problem is, is, if you watch that play over and over again, you know they're bringing heat. There is not a single quick slant or any any short drag route over the middle. That might be because of roster a situation. There's no Renfro and no Waller. Yeah. But Foster Morrow's on the field and he runs about a tw- 12 yards up and then in. He, he runs a, a dig over the middle of the field 
And with the Colts sending six, it's there just wasn't enough time for Foster Morrow to get open on that route. He was at the end, but Carr probably not going to be able to make that throw. So, yeah, I mean, it's on everybody. And I sound like a broken record because I've said it every week since I've been on here, but it's just it's coaching. It's the players not making plays. Um, I think I think a lot of it, it's very telling what the players are now saying. And I know you're, we're going to get into that in a little bit, but just schematically and the way the game was actually played, uh, they let Jonathan Taylor have the best game of the season for him himself so far, which he really needed. Right. And they let Matt Ryan run for 39 yards on a third and four. I know you're not going to spy Matt Ryan, but someone's got to have some damn pride on that team to come up and make a tackle, at least recognize he's taken off. Who cares if you blow your coverage assignment? You're two and six in that game. Go after him. There's nothing wrong with being aggressive. And it, it was fascinating to me because for so long, so many people have said, you know, get rid of Jonathan Abram. And I know he wasn't the highest PFF rated safety, this and that, the other thing. But, you know, when that man is in the box for, for whatever team he's on, now he's on the Packers, but when he was at Mississippi State, when he was with the Raiders, he would come up and make plays and make tackles. And they don't have that right now. There's not a single player on that team with, with the exception of possibly Denzel Perriman and Max Crosby on the defense that I go, those guys will come. And, and Nate Hobbs, but he's injured. But outside of those three, there's not a single one that I go, that guy's going to make a solid tackle. Rocky Sin, but he's a corner, um, and he's not a solid corner. So, yeah, bad performance, and they weren't able to get Josh Jacobs going. The offensive line is undisciplined. Um, and I, that's actually – I will say this. If there's the most glaring thing about this team overall this year – has been the lack of discipline, lack of attention to detail on both sides of the ball. Way too many penalties pre-snap and post-snap on the offensive linemen. It's just too much. You can't have it. So. Yeah, I mean they 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 were still in that game. I, I hear you on the um, yeah. you know the the last play where uh, they sent a blitz and they threw it to Devonte Adams. Foster Moreau was open in the end, but Derek Carr went to him on the play before that, got it right in his hands, and he Man. dropped it. Yeah, he did. It, it was so, it was there, and he just you have to catch that ball. There were chances for them to win that game, um, but Alana, you know, I, I go back to what you said a week ago. If they don't, if they don't beat this team by two touchdowns, it's an embarrassing. It's an embarrassing. It is. Yeah, and I think I look at your coaching staff and think to yourself, are we that good? We we just lost to Jeff Saturday, and I listen. Things happen in this league. It's any given Sunday. Bad teams beat good teams. It happens. But if you really pride yourself on being, you know, we we thought Josh McDaniels was, I guess, something that he's not. Like, I, I thought this hire was amazing. I was surprised he wanted to come to the Raiders. I thought that the Denver debacle that he had in his first tenure as head coach was just a fluke. I also don't think I also thought that he didn't have great players with him. He didn't. And I thought that he was going to have uh, a resurgence and get this team to the next level. That was the whole point. This wasn't a rebuild. I don't care what anybody says. This was not a rebuild. You got Devontae Adams. And Chandler Jones has been a huge disappointment. Devontae Adams is having a great season. But you got Devontae Adams to make the next jump. This wasn't, hmm. We're a 10 and 7 team. Let's fire our coach. I mean, let's make the playoffs. Let's fire our coach and let's rebuild. Let's let's trade a first round draft pick and a second round pick 
for arguably the best wide receiver in football to rebuild. That is bullshit. That's a not that that's unacceptable statement. So as far as the game itself, it sucked. And you know, they competed, but the outcome sucks. And it's um it's embarrassing. Uh it truly is. I I know that there's a lot of good coaches on the Colts staff. Gus Bradley, obviously, defensive coordinator for the Raiders a year ago. So that may have helped them. And it did, obviously. Um yeah, and you know, going into the game, we had you know trepidation because Darren Waller is out for four weeks, and so was Hunter Renfro. So there, there was not a lot of help offensively. You have Matt Collins, you have Foster Moreau. Most of the balls were going to go to Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs on the ground. But sometimes you just got to scheme it up a little bit better. Sometimes you got to show that you are the better coach. I don't think the Giants have a ton of talent on their team offensively. They have a good offensive line. They have Saquon Barkley. And to me, that's really about it. Defensively, they play very well. But they scheme it up. Brian Dable knows how to get the ball in his players' hands. Darius Slayton on a great play a week ago. I mean, Kenny Galladay was their big-ticket wide receiver uh, in free agency a couple years ago, and they don't even use him. They just know how to scheme it up because their coach knows how to coach. And I just don't see a lot of creativity with Josh McDaniels in this offense at all. So uh, I put the blame on him, and I think it's a little pathetic, honestly, that he lost this game given the circumstances. I'm surprised a lot of people forgot about the fact that he turned down the Colts job. And it, you know, he's probably not going to show it to the media, but it's got to eat at him that he lost this game. It's got to be embarrassing for many reasons. Obviously, this is the team that you told no thanks to, and they then they replaced you with Frank Reich, who they fired, and then got a guy that's never coached before, and he beat you. That's got to eat at you that you've been doing this for years, and in this guy's first attempt, he kicked your ass. That's got to kill you. So anyway, besides the game, um, everybody's seen the clip. Derek Carr at the press conference crying. This isn't the first time we've seen Derek Carr cry. I have mixed emotions about it. I hear what he said. He talked about, you know, it sucks and it pisses him off that everyone tries very hard and the preparation that goes into this game and what guys have to put in their bodies just to sleep at night. He said it twice. I really don't know what he's referring to there. Um, and then he re- then he said the fact that some people don't feel the same way that I do in that room really pisses me off. There were rumors, I guess, before Jonathan Abram was released that he was not on board with what Josh McDaniels was saying to the team. I don't know if that's what he's talking about, but Josh, I mean, but Jonathan Abram didn't play in this game. No, so it must be a consensus in the locker room among some people that they're not being led in the right direction. And I don't think Derek Carr's referring to the coaching staff. Um, no, he's not because in his statement, he, he said, I, and I don't take him to be a liar because he, it's not really in his character, at least towards the media. Um, right. 
he said in his statement at the podium that, uh, you know, that he loved Josh and he is not on the coaches basically. And Devonte Adams kind of corroborated what Derek Carr said. And I don't know if that's just a case of a friend backing up another friend, but Devonte Adams is pretty straightforward with what, with the kind of messages and things he likes to say too. So for two of those, for both of those guys, both of your biggest leaders on the team, at least offensively to come out and say, there are people who are not bought in and they are not giving the same amount of effort and attention to detail uh, uh, with regards to accepting this coaching and leadership. That is damning. That is a damning statement. But who, who does that fall on the coaching staff itself or the players? So in one, in one aspect, yes, coaches, you expect them to be able to somehow get through, motivate their players, get their players to play for them. I do get that. But on the other side, I mean, you're 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 a professional. You're getting paid money to perform a job. Um, you're not the boss. The coach is the boss. Ultimately, the owner is the boss, and the owner puts someone in place to need you and to help you do your job. Now, if Josh McDaniels isn't putting in the man hours, that's a totally different thing. But I think if that was true, those reports would have come out, you know, fairly quickly with the way that this season has gone. Um, I think it falls on the players uh, when when player I'm not saying that they're losing because players aren't necessarily doing their jobs all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is if you're a professional and you're not bought in, then you don't have and and you're not going to get traded or released during the season, then you don't have too many other options besides two. One option is to buy in, play for the people next to you and, and try to be a good teammate and also try to put as much good film as you can on tape or you can go the other way and just say, screw it. I don't care. I I don't like the way that this is going. I don't like how I'm being treated. And it's, it is very, very disappointing to hear those kinds of statements come from Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, because like we had said, this was a team that won 10 games a year ago, had much worse circumstances, not on the field, but off the field, worse circumstances than, probably any other team in history other than uh, an Oilers team way back when about 30 years ago, but 93, yeah. 93. So yeah. I mean, so you're telling me you have the mental toughness to get through that because maybe you liked Rich Basaccia and the way he was treating you and the things were run under him, but you don't have the mental fortitude to get with the program now with this brand new coaching staff and the way that this team is dedicated assets to try to get better. That is a total non-starter for me. I don't know who those players are. I don't know if there's a lot of them, if it's just a contingent, or if it's players in key positions. But if that's going on on the team, I don't care how good or bad of a coach you are or general manager combo or even an owner, you have to get rid of those guys. You just do because you will not win with a with a significant contingent, uh, 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 contingent of people like that on your team. You just won't win. So, yeah, part of it is on the coaching. you got to find ways to motivate people. But there are some times where it's just oil and water, Derek, you know, and you just don't get along with the person. And you might be a great employee. You might be a model worker, all these kinds of things. But there's someone who's leading you that you just cannot handle. You cannot stand. You just fuck this. and I can't do this. And that happens. No, that's that's totally fair. And I believe that. But at the same time, if you are a head coach in the National Football League, you got to find a way to get through to your players. And if a good deal of them are saying, fuck this, then maybe it's on you a little bit. I, yeah, maybe it's on you. It's definitely an indictment of your leadership qualities. Yes. Um, 
I would say the easiest way to get people to buy in is to have success, to render successful results. There haven't been enough of those uh, for this team, especially for the people who aren't bought in. Um, something that you know you could do, especially in this point of the season, is if you do want to take that another effort at getting getting some of these players, maybe who, if this is all true, where they're not giving that same amount of effort as some of the leaders on the team are, um, maybe try to get them some personal success during the season, even if the team's not doing well. But I mean, these are all things that take like a master manager or boss coach doesn't matter to, to do. And right now it does not look like Josh McDaniels has that in him. And Cause, cause he can't even right now, he can't even out scheme um, most, most of his opposition um, yeah. with the exception of a few games. And, and some of them have been losses. I thought he schemed very well against the Kansas city chiefs. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's been other games where he has, but, it's um, it's just not there, and I don't know if he has the capability or the qualities to do that. Now, if he was saddled up with a team full of people with the kind of personal pride and, and work ethic of Devontae Adams, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, Derek Clark, guys like that, Rocky Sin, Denzel Perriman, then maybe this would, probably wouldn't even be a conversation because they go, look, we, we're leaders ourselves. We just need you to call the damn plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I can motivate myself, but that's clearly not the position that this team is in. That's not the scenario they find themselves in. No, I mean there there are guys in this league that um are are good at both are good at calling plays and are leaders of men and I asked you that a week ago what would you rather have and some guys just have that quality um, Kyle Shanahan is able to lead men and call offensive plays Sean McVay some even sometimes I find him a little corny whatever beho- whatever happens behind closed doors those guys play hard for him. I Josh McDaniels is failing at both departments right now where he doesn't seem like he leads men and he sucks at play calling at, at the current time. I'm not saying that he's not a great play caller. He's done in the past with New England Patriots. He is capable of it. I just don't see it right now. Um, it was telling to me a little bit that Derek Carr says this and Devontae Adams says this. And then Josh McDaniels, you know, I know he's the head coach and he's the face of the team. But he kind of downplayed it the next day and said, I really don't know what Derek's referring to. I think we came out and played as hard as possible, and I think everybody put 110% out there. wasn't the case that I saw, but he's got to say the right things, I guess, at this point. But I would like to see him a little bit angrier. Um, the thing that I want, I mean, how did you take Derek Carr crying? And I'm not here to make fun of a guy crying. People cry. It happens. Um and he's very emotional. I completely understand that. He's also been a good leader for this team in the past. He was front and center last year when the John Gruden stuff happened and the Henry Rugg stuff happened. And he was more of a leader than um, Mark Davis was when it came to talking to the media and speaking and having an opinion about this stuff. As far as Sunday... I felt bad for Derek. Um, he's been through a lot with this organization. It's just tough. I wonder even if he thinks in his mind this could be the end for me, and that probably hurts him because he loves this franchise so much. I don't think it's in the best uh, as far as just perception and things for him to cry like that. 
but then again, who really cares? You know, media people will make fun of him. It is what it is. Um, but then, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't remember Tom Brady ever crying after a game like that or, and, but it, it's a lot of emotions and I, I know he's upset and he had expectations too. It's funny how he goes from, um, you know, in the off season, he kept saying, you know, everyone thinks we're not going to be good this year. And that wasn't the case. A lot of people <laughs> thought they were going to be good. And it turns out that they, they're not. I, I, I guess the Raiders were buying their own hype a little bit. And, um, you know, it's funny that he's, you know, so emotional about this stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Um, it's He's so emotional about this stuff. And then I remember Paul Gutierrez in the summertime saying to him during training camp, why do you keep telling everybody that no one thinks we can win? And he goes, I, I do it to motivate my team. And then Paul Gutierrez said himself, but it's, you know, it's more of a negative. And then Paul, and then Derek and him had a back and forth. And he said, why, why, why don't you punt that back a little bit? Just, you know, obviously a lot of different emotions. You, you go through the season and you don't, it doesn't play out the way you thought it was going to. Derek's not playing at the level that, you know, he's supposed to. Um, injuries have come into play. Darren Waller, obviously. The hamstring injury has pampered him most of the season. And I like to believe the same thing is with the case with for Hunter Renfro. He does not look like the same guy a year ago. Um, so yeah, man. It's uh it's been another disappointment. Two and seven is unacceptable. And I'm gonna read some of these quotes that came from Josh McDaniels and Mark Davis the next day. Um yeah, on Monday after the game, uh, Josh McDaniel said this. I understand the short-term frustration. I really do. <laughs> again, again, this wasn't a rebuild. And, and them trying to pass this off like it's supposed to be is just ridiculous to me. Do you agree I with that, believe- no one believes it was supposed to be because it wasn't because it's not when you give away those assets to on paper make your team better you fire someone after having some success to get someone who everybody thinks is a slam dunk even if there are some reservations about him and what he's done in the past this is not a rebuild this is go to the owner's quotes himself when he hired Josh McDaniels this is not a rebuild we're just we're getting better it's going to take us to the next level well, okay this was not the same thing, but Mark Jet from going from Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr. That's what it was supposed to be. That's the, I think the, the thought process. The Warriors were a playoff team. They fired Mark Jackson because they wanted to get to the next level. They hired Steve Kerr and they won the championship. I'm not expecting the Raiders to win the Super Bowl this season. I was expecting them to build upon a ten and seven season. This is not a rebuild. The short term frustration. We're talking about the long term here. I mean, Josh McDaniels is lucky to get the long term. And listen, Bill Plaschke is not breaking any news saying that the Raiders are cash poor. That's been the case for a long time. And it's not some report. I'm not going to go into that as much as we should just because I'm not. Yes, that has been the case with the Raiders for a long time. They don't have the financial stability as other franchises. 
They also don't want to look like fools and fire Josh McDaniels right away. Now, should they have made some kind of move this week? Maybe firing Patrick Graham? Yeah, possibly. But they're not going it, to... It's an embarrassment. And I don't know what upgrade you can make at this point. So we're going to have to give Josh McDaniels the benefit of the doubt. I know I, I it sucks. Believe me. It sucks. This season has been terrible. Mm. But they didn't make this move just to get rid of him after one season. I understand shit like that. And if they're doing it just because they can't fire him because of the finances, that's sad, but that very well could be the case. I have a very hard time believing that this team um, right now in terms of, and he's not, Bill Plaschke's not reporting anything new about the Raiders ownership group (laughs) being Bill Plaschke's also not, not a Raiders beat reporter. No, he's not. And this is, this is an old. He hasn't covered the team since they were in L.A. years LA. ago. L.A. Yeah. So this is an old kind of thought that's still hanging around. And I would say it was true up until. And I'm not saying they're one of the richest teams in the, in the, in the world. But in terms of their actual value now with the assets that they possess, they are in the top 10 of all sports franchises in the world. So, yeah, a lot of that's tied into their stadium. But who cares? If the Raiders needed to go get money to go pay someone, they could do it. So I don't I don't buy that. That's just that's an evergreen uh, kind of story material. Uh, it was good 30 years ago. It was good tomorrow. It'll be good today. It'll be good yesterday. Whatever. Um, you don't hire someone like Josh McDaniels and then fire them in season unless something just so bad happens that you that you can't not fire them. Right. That, that you that you are not able to stick by them. Well, some may argue that happened Sunday, but I, but I, but yeah, but I, 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 I hear you. Yeah, uh, let's get rid of everything that happens on the field. It would have to be something off the field, in my opinion, for something like that to happen. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to give McDaniel's time. If there's one thing that Mark Davis, as an owner, has shown is, and it has been to his detriment, it's also been kind of to his success at times, is that. He really values stability. He wants stability in that organization. He His dream is to have a coach that can coach there for 30 years. He wants to be like the Steelers in that regard, where they can have someone like Mike Tomlin, and you don't have to worry about that side of things. He hasn't found that person yet. Thought He had it. He thought he had it in John Gruden. Probably thought he had it in Jack Del Rio as well. So he couldn't give up the chasing you know, the golden goose, or, or is what he thought John Gruden was. Um, and now he thinks that's what Josh McDaniels is. That's why he gave him a four-year contract. We don't know the financials on it. But you, you're not going to fire him. So what does that mean? If you're a Raider fan, what does that mean? Well, it means that you're just going to have to grow up and deal with it. And you're going to probably swear at your TV if you're one of those kinds of fans and get mad on social media and stuff like that. Or you could look at it the other way and go, yeah, well, uh, I guess this is our guy. So you just got to ride with them and hopefully they get a good draft pick. I don't know. Like, there's nothing I can say that's going to make anybody feel better. Um, I kind of am lucky that, yes, I, I do root for the team. I'm a supporter of the team, but I'm also detached in a way, too, because of work, working in the media. You just kind of get over some of those ties. Yeah. So, so you know, it's not the same as, like, you know, people I know that are just, you know, so gung-ho about it. But you, you, you can't fire him, and and that that is that is a fact. Patrick Graham, on the other hand, could you fire him? Yes, you could fire him in midseason. Who are you going to replace him with? Also, is his 
is his head being on the, you know, is is his butt being on the hot seat and then getting fired is is that going to change anything? Probably not. That's not going to. And so you'll elevate uh, Ryan to defensive coordinator. I mean, you can light people up. You know, you can light a fire under people, but it's just there's there's nothing they can do right now to patch anything up other than Josh McDaniels scheming some of the best games of his coaching life and, and having that come to fruition during the, the course of play. Uh, that will fix things a lot. That will build up a lot of goodwill. If somehow he was he was able to scrape out seven wins this year, which looks highly unlikely, uh, that would that would be a lot of people would go, okay, so it just it was a big adjustment period and that would give people something positive to think about. But that's not that's not gonna happen. Okay, but at the same time, if he did that, what what makes you believe that just doing that this season is going to carry over to next season? We've seen so many instances this year where yeah. it's every season is different. Every season is different. Teams that were good a season ago suck right now, and the Raiders are a prime example of that. So I'm kind of tired of the carryover idea that these wins and this mentality – and them showing their potential finally in the last few games is going to carry over to the next season. Things change. It's a whole Things new change. year. Yeah. So that's why, and, that, and that's also the case for going from 10 and 7 to 2 and 7 right now. It just sucks. And yeah. it's just the same thing every time with this team. And I understand fans' frustrations. Um, I also am realistic. I understand that the Raiders run a business. And they're just not going to fire Josh McDaniels because it's too much at this point. They fired Jack Del Rio. They fired John Gruden. This was the next guy. And just to go off of it in one season is a, is a tough ask. And I don't really know a lot of other coaches that are, you could think of that are, would, become, would come in and just get this team rolling again right away. Could you imagine how unattractive – this organization would be for coaches, for potential coaches to come to, regardless of the kinds of contracts that that you sign coaches to. So take out the 10 years that John Gruden got. Take out the four years that McDaniel's getting right now. But if you're just constantly firing people and having turnover, no one's going to want to coach for you. No one established, at least. Maybe someone young might, but... Well, you, you might know, because then you can sign a contract, and then if you get fired, you can just sit on your ass. You just sit on your... Yeah, so you could, but I don't... I, Maybe that's what you would do, Derek. That might be what I would do, but I don't know if there's a lot of coaches no, I mean, who have asked for I get it. it. Yeah. No, so I mean, but, but I mean, I mean, I mean, but I, but I will say, like you know, it's funny that Derek Carr says today, "I'm relieved and take a breath of fresh." I, 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 I you know, break a breathe and a sigh of relief that Josh McDaniels is coming back next season, but Derek may not. Yeah, Derek, this Derek, th- this may be the season where Josh Daniel Josh McDaniels is looking over everything and saying, "I think we got to make a change of quarterback." I, if, yeah. you know, Stephen brought up an interesting thing on Sunday where he goes, "It could be the case that Josh is looking to get Tom Brady next season." Now that I, I you know, if you're going to sign a 46 year old quarterback, and I know he's Tom Brady. And I know he's had success with Josh McDaniels in the past, but if that's what we're trying to do here, then uh, no, thank you. I love Derek Carr. I I love Tom Brady. If but, if this was set up, oh no, go ahead, Derek. What are you going to well, say? I'm going to say like, do you want 46 year old Tom Brady? Like you know, like I, I like who's who's 
focused, you know, he, he's focused on football right now, but he signed a contract with Fox to be their, you know, analyst when he retires. That he's in the downward years of his career. Oh, now, if you no. want to think of a scenario where you sign Tom Brady and you draft a quarterback for the future, sure. But that's a lot of, I don't know. It's I don't know if that's realistic. And, yeah. And buts and what, you know. So I was going to say, uh, the only way you do something like that is if you have a top two, top three pick. And you're well, right to, now they would have the second overall pick. Right now they would have two. Um, so the only way you would do that is you would sign Tom Brady, go get him, and then you'd go draft Bryce Young. And I will say this. If Bryce Young becomes a Raider and Josh McDaniels is the head coach, he must do everything in his power to make him just like Patrick Mahomes, because that's the skill set that Bryce Young has. Let's we're not getting into this though. Yeah. That that being said, no, I mean it's kind of funny because I thought about what Steven brought up. But yeah, it's interesting. Derek Carr says that you know, I'm glad he's gonna be here next year. I that kind of tells me that and if you look at statements that, that Mark Davis has made regarding coaches, uh, he signs people to contracts, and he's just one of those people that says, play your contract out, uh, coach your contract out, unless I have to fire you for some reason. Right. Um, so I think well, they're well, – I mean, he, he signed Jack Del Rio to a contract extension and fired him the next season. For one, and there was only one reason for that. It's because he could not get over – he was smitten by John Gruden. That's all it was. And – yeah, I think true. if John Gruden that's wasn't true. out there, I think Jack Del Rio would have still remained the coach. Um, but so I think with Derek Carr, uh, I could very, very well see him playing out his contract and whether the Raiders are successful or not, uh, then they have to decide what to do down the road with him. I think he's back next year out of when it, with regards to leadership on the team and in the organization. I do think Derek Carr has done a very good job. He's done something that more players should take note of, and that is trying to always be a, just a premium leader. And, and not just because that's the right thing to do when you're the quarterback of a team in the National Football League or any team, but also you kind of build yourself some job security, and that's something Derek Carr has done. He's had, bad se- he's had seasons where he's not played well. He's had bad seasons. He's been able to weather through it because of his – leadership ability and the fact that he's built a spot for himself in the organization. Am I saying he's made himself uh, irreplaceable? No, I'm not. But in the current climate with what's going on with the team right now and with the help that they need, he's his position is not the answer. So th- for me, that points to, to them retaining him. He's going to play his contract out. Hell, he might retire after his contract's over. There's only so much that man can take, it looks like, right now. Right. Um, he was physically, he was crying, yes, and he was mad. I think some of those tears were tears of anger. I don't think he's very good at expressing anger at all, and that may have manifested itself through crying. I think also he's, I think he's in physical pain. When I, I don't mean like his arm hurts because the team's doing bad, but you know, it probably feels like a gut, a gut punch. It probably it's heart wrenching for him. So yeah, I think I think he is here to stay until he retires, and that could be at the end of his contract. So he probably knows that he's got the next year for sure, and he's going to have to play some damn good football if he wants to stick around for that last year, right? So I, I think – I don't I don't know either. That's This is my opinion on it. This is all just speculation, obviously. Yeah. Um, talk radio or talk podcastio, whatever. But, um, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't think he's going anywhere uh, 
because he's going to be forced out or traded or anything like that. The only time he leaves is when he retires or if he gets, you know, to just so bad that you can't have him on team anymore. I don't anticipate, anticipate any of those things happening. I think it'll just play out his contract and he might ride off in the sunset. Um, as far as McDaniels goes, him and Dave Ziegler need to get together and go, what is this team missing? And that's what they need to identify. And, yeah. and they're probably not focusing too, too heavily on the quarterback position, uh, in all honesty. Well, they have the option to get rid of Derek Carr this, this offseason. They do. And, and they can save some money on that. But that's not their biggest priority right now, in my opinion. And, and his contract's that, not even bad. His contract's not bad. It's it's not a bad contract. But then you would be then you would be tied to him if you don't, you know, it it, it, it financially it will be it would get harder to get rid of him and make other moves if you did keep Derek Carr. But you know, I don't know. I I really don't know. I I, I want to get to these quotes from uh, Mark Davis real quick. Paul Gutierrez caught up with him uh, a couple days ago. And this is what he had to say about Josh McDaniels. People in today's world want instant gratification. The guys coached nine games. We're two and seven. Not the results we're looking for, but at the same time, we've lost six games where we've had the ball with a chance to win at the end. Also, when asked uh, Mark Davis about the dreaded vote of confidence, he laughed and said, I gave him a vote of confidence when I signed into the contract to be the coach of the Raiders. Mark Davis added, Rome wasn't built in a day. This isn't Rome. This is fucking Pompeii right now. Yeah. Like, this is... <laughs> sorry, but, like, again, going back to this mentality that this is a rebuild, or he's only coached nine games, or, you know, give the guy a chance. This, You're entitled, as an owner... And I don't like meddling owners. I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. But you also are entitled as an owner to be like Eddie DeBartolo, to be like Jerry Jones, to say this is not our goals this season. You are treating your fans like they're idiots when you say things like this. It's so, tone deaf. It's tone deaf. It really is. Wh yeah. Whatever you want to call it, it's just stupidity. This was not the goal this season. This wasn't a, let's see how things go. Let's evaluate Josh McDaniels in a 17-game season. No. The goal was to make the playoffs. You made the move to get Devontae Adams because you were competing in a, what was supposed to be a very competitive AFC West. Things change. I get it. But to play dumb like this is just stu stupid to me. So that's all I have to say about that. Um, I think he genuinely believes in what he's saying. Um, I don't. The maybe the delivery could be cleaned up a little bit. <laughs> I don't believe. I I respect what you say, Alon, but I don't believe yeah. that for a second. I think that he's. Okay. I think that, I I think that he's trying to sell the fan base that he's he's, tr he's trying to pass the blame that like hey it it is what it is. You know, and that's that's kind of what it is. Instead of it being a mea culpa, which it's, I mean, obviously it's on Martin. You know, it's on the owner if if something goes wrong, right, with the coach because you're the one who hired him. Mm -hmm. I I don't like the cliche of you know Rome wasn't built in a day. I don't like stuff like that because this is a league where you can go from worst to first, 
you can you really can build things up rather quickly if you make the right moves. They haven't made the right moves uh, or the moves. Maybe they're right next year, but they're not right this year. And that's what well, matters. This is the part that I, like pisses me off when it comes to, you know, the whole rebuild mentality. Not so much. I mean, like, yes, it's stupid in the fact that they were a playoff team a year ago. And now it's like, well, maybe we got to rebuild. No, it's not the coaching just hasn't been successful. But at the same time, the Raiders were just in a rebuild a couple years ago. They went, ago. Tw- yeah. they went tw- they went they went 12-4 and four in 2016. They had a great player in Khalil Mack and a great player in Amari Cooper. And then John Gruden came along and decided, we're going to rebuild this team in the way that I want to. That's fine. That's well and good. I hated it at the time, but if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But none of it panned out. You traded away Khalil Mack and you traded away Amari Cooper to get three first-round draft picks. And so far, the only guy that's been good is Josh Jacobs. Because Cleveland Farrell hasn't done shit. And Jonathan Abram, you just cut. You you cut so many guys off this football team that were first-round draft picks. So when you want to go through a rebuild again, you got to sell me on it again because the first time you did it, it didn't pan out. Sorry. So, no, no, I I understand what you're saying. That's why I don't think... Turning into a fan again. No, you are. It's ridiculous. What's fascinating to me is that you didn't turn into a fan last season when they were doing respectably well. You're turning into a fan when they were there with in the dumpster. Which, Derek, I'm very sorry about that. That's horrible, man. That's a that's a bad feeling. That sucks. <laughs> no, I mean, I I I I was invested a season ago, no, and I you know, I yeah. believe me, I I don't live and die with every Raider game like I used to. But but we yeah, we're expecting this team to be. I would I the I, same I, I as thought, what I, it was. I, yeah, <laughs> I thought it was just gonna be fun, and yeah. it just it's just sad. I. I feel bad for a lot of Raider fans that had their hopes this season, but at the same time, I kind of laugh a little bit too and say like, this is what you asked for a little bit. And it's kind of, you know, to me, you know, I got over it with the Warriors. They went to Chase Center and won their championship. I'm going to sound like a negative, you know, Oakland guy, but this is kind of the curse of Vegas a little bit to me. And I wonder if they're going to win with Mark Davis as an owner. That's just my honest opinion. But I hope I'm wrong. I've always wanted to see this this, this team succeed, and I may have my own um, anger and feelings towards the franchise right now. But I would always love to see them win. It it, it would it would not make me upset. Um, obviously, I, I wanted them to do well this season, but it's just ridiculous after years and years of the same shit. Sometimes, and I hate the mentality of, well, the Chargers are always going to be the Chargers, the Jets are always going to be the Jets. Sometimes teams just get out of that shit and they win. Um, and but, they should because just because you're a certain team doesn't damn you to being awful, and just because you're a certain team doesn't guarantee that you're going to be successful forever either. Um, yeah. with very few exceptions. Uh, well, there are no guarantees, there are a few stalwarts who seem to be very consistent, but like even this year, Pittsburgh Steelers are having a very, very rough year, and they're one of the pictures of consistency in the National Football League. Um, I will say this about you brought up, you know, it, it is your right and sometimes maybe even your duty as an owner to to kind of make a message be known publicly. We see it in baseball often. We also, like you said, see Jerry Jones do it. We see it in the NBA sometimes. It doesn't always happen. Jim Mercer just did it basically by firing Frank Reich, who I think is an excellent 
a very, very darn good coach with a lot of potential in front of him. He'll either be yeah. a head coach next season or an offensive coordinator somewhere. Or a really good OC somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't really have that much to worry about other than maybe selling his home in Indianapolis. Yeah. But um, at times I would like to see more owners, and Mark Davis could be in this camp, of just being a little more um, – putting a little more pressure on the people that you're paying a high, high amount of dollars to, to get the job done. And I'm not saying you have to go out there and totally tear a guy down or, or really denigrate him through the media, but you just like what you said, Derek, these are not the results that we wanted. And instead of trying to maybe sugarcoat it or trying to paint it in rosier terms, just say, this is not what we brought all these people in him in for. Yeah. We wanted to be a winning team. Those are the kinds of responses that really resonate with people. I don't think you'd be seeing fans. Um, they'd still be angry and frustrated, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't, they wouldn't feel the way they do right now. What I would yeah. say to every Raider fan is this, regardless of messaging, you know that McDaniels is going to be the coach next year. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like he's going to get to start next year, at least for the first six games. So, Maybe, you know, have your judgments about what's going on right now and maybe just try to push those off until next year. And that's not because I'm a, I am support the Raiders. That's not because I'm financially invested or anything like that as a PSL owner. That's how I would react to any team. Now, if the message starts coming out, trust the process, then you got some things to worry about. If it starts to get into some 76ers type stuff. But I don't, I don't think it's there, and I don't think it's going to go there. So, yeah, I can understand the fr- frustration. I, uh, I, can, I can sympathize with it. Uh, unfortunately, I can't empathize with it because I'm not there yet. I've never really – I haven't been there. And if I have, I don't remember when I was. I, I haven't been there with this team. Now, if you want to talk about Alabama football, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> um, I just don't – like- there, there is better ways to phrase that. If, if Mark Davis came out and said, Josh McDaniels will still be remain as our head coach, but I will say that this season has been a disappointment. This is not what we signed up for. Yeah. Then I would have accepted that. That's but real this, talk. Yes. But this this I, this whole, like, ah, it's been nine games. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Rome wasn't built in a day. Come on. Get out of here, dude. At the same time, I'm realistic. Josh McDaniels picked Dave Ziegler to be his general manager. They're a package deal. You can't fire both those guys. It sends a bad message. At the same time, you have to look in the mirror and realize that what happened on Sunday was embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Derek, a lot of this, a lot of the talk has been revolving around uh, Josh McDaniels, Mm -hmm. rightfully so, because he's the coach of the team. What we don't see a lot of is talk regarding Dave Ziegler. It's probably because he's a relatively new GM and kind of a relative unknown for most fans unless they're really into the nitty gritty of a lot of things. Yeah. How much of this goes on his personnel decisions? Because when the, when this marriage started, uh, it was very evident that McDaniels was like, look, I'm controlling the football side and I really want Dave, my friend to do the personnel. He knows the kind of players that I want and, and kind of what I need to do, what I need for my system and for what we're running defensively as well. But that's on him. Chandler Jones has been a huge, huge disappointment. I mean, that's the only one that I. Down. That's only one I would blame him for, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Um, when you make a move like that, and it doesn't pan out. You can blame the coaches, or you can blame the general manager for making that move. I yeah. would. That's that's the only one I would I would go to. I guess Devontae Adams has had a great season. 
Devontae is wonderful. You make that move. And we, he wasn't, you know, it, it took, you know, the first two rounds of the draft to get him. So I don't, I would like to see what Dave Ziegler does with a full draft. It may be that he needs to scout better and be better at evaluating talent. But I honestly, they, they didn't make a ton of moves in the offseason to change this team from what it was a year ago defensively. Um, they got Rocky Sin. They traded away Yannick Ngakwe. They did things. They Trayvon Mullen. Yep. They did things for the benefit of Josh McDaniels and what he wanted to do with his offense. They traded away Brian Edwards to the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, I, I guess Josh McDaniels realized that he was not going to fit in his offense. So I, I, I think at the end of the day, everyone just fucked up and now they're trying to cover their asses. <laughs> They gotta, they gotta pick up the pieces right now. It didn't, it didn't get off to the start that they wanted, and they really gotta try to find some fortitude for the rest of the season and then yeah. going forward. Yeah. And you know, we talked about this for an hour already, and I want to move sure. on to other things with the NFL. But yeah, man, just uh, I don't. Hopefully things change, but I don't know how it gets any worse than this. I mean, they could lose out, sure, but terrible. Absolutely that would be comical terrible. if that happened. No, I mean, I, I, it'll be hard to do. But if, if they yeah. did, I, you know, it is what it is at this point. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, 49ers. They beat the San, their San Diego Chargers, the L.A. Chargers. And um, solid win. Defensively, they played well. Um, shut out the Chargers in the second half. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people this week. Now that I'm back in the Bay Area, I hear a lot of what Niner fans complain about. And a lot of it is... Uh, Ridiculous. Um, The Chargers, the whole week, and for most of the season, have heard that their run defense is terrible. It has been. That's you know, even though that they are five and four and above five hundred, they disappointed a little bit too. They made they made more moves than the Raiders did. Getting Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson's been a huge bust. He's out for the season, unfortunately. Um, But that they made a ton of moves to make their defensive uh, front better. And it hasn't worked. Now they they played the run pretty well. Um, they you know gave still gave up 157 yards on the ground, but they did a good job against Christian McCaffrey. And I you know Chargers are a good football team. They just I don't know if they have that's a prime example of they have the talent. I don't know if they have the coaching. You could see Sean Payton take that job in the off season. That's an that's an easy move to make as far as a franchise with the Chargers where. I don't think you need to change a thing. You have the quarterback. You may want to upgrade at the wide receiver position. I'm not sure about Keenan Allen anymore, but you got the talent. You just need the coaching. And if Sean Payton wants to come to the Chargers, he lives in L.A. now working at the Fox gig. Could make that move easily. But regardless, as far as the game itself on Sunday, the Niners scored 22 points. And a lot of the talk this week has been I kind of works. I kind of was expecting the Niners to explode more offensively. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you agree with me, Alon. Just because you trade for Christian McCaffrey doesn't make me believe that you're going to be some high flying offense all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, we we talked about this, and that was one of the first things out of your mouth about it, Derek. And and I agreed with you. I mean, uh, my my line on the Niners has been even before they had McCaffrey, right? They, let's look back at last year. They they have games where they do explode offensively, but it's because of field position and 
how good their defense is and the amount of pressure they put on the other team and things like that. It's not just because they're going to go out there and throw the ball 40 times or, you know, just run the score they've up on never you. never done that. That's not who they are. No, they've never done that. And that's fine. That doesn't, they're still a damn good football team, you know? And okay. They have Christian McCaffrey, but just because they have him doesn't all of a sudden mean that it's just going to be like, like you said, this high flying offense. What I will say is the Chargers, like you said, relatively speaking, played one of their better games when it comes to run defense. Their rush defense was much, much improved in this ball game. They still gave up over 100 yards rushing total, but um, they did a decent job of trying to contain uh, San Francisco. And really, the Niners, uh, they kind of did what they're built to do. They will score some points, and... Shanahan will scheme things so they get some easier looks and easier drives going and easier scoring opportunities. But the defense came out and pitched shutout. Pitched shutout in the second half against the Chargers, against Justin Herbert, who may be right behind Mahomes, the most talented just uh, passing quarterback in the league. Uh, and maybe he, overall talent, maybe he does have the most. I don't know. But he's, he's right up there. I mean, there's no way he's not in the top three. So. Uh, for them to do that, it just it shows you kind of the machine that the Niners have been in the past and what they are, and mm-hmm. they can kind of keep this thing rolling. And this is this is kind of them, in my opinion, watching that game. They're going to round into form now. Like we're going to see this defense be very consistent, and it's been pretty darn good this year. We're going to see the offense now that they've really, I would say, gone through the adjustment period for the most part with McCaffrey and how all these new pieces how him as a new piece works with the rest of the offense. I think, I think Kyle Shanahan is just salivating right now for the rest of the season to come And No one should be happier than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's got all these tools and in one way, he should be very happy in another way. There's a lot of pressure on him now with, with the, uh, the uh, amount of weapons that he has, the amplitude of weapons that he has to not to like ball out and be this three touchdown, uh, guy, uh, uh, three touchdown per game guy, but, just to make sure that the ship goes in the right direction and they win. Yeah, in, in my opinion, I I think that the addition of McCaffrey was going to make them just more of a dynamic offense, but I never thought that they were going to explode offensively. Now, there are games in the past few years under Kyle Shanahan where they've done that. Obviously, the New Orleans Saints game they had a couple of years ago where it was 48-46 to 46 is you know an anomaly, in my opinion. They just, they just don't put up points like that. Um, and they 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 don't have the passing offense like that. It's built on the running game, and there's a reason why they went to Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it was owner driven, and you know, perception driven. But at the same time, um, they're not expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to make them the highest scoring team in the NFL. And I, you know, I go back to this thing. You know, everybody puts on Twitter how you gonna stop this offense. You got McCaffrey, you got Debo, you got Ayuk, you got Kittle. Sack the quarterback. <laughs> exactly. There are still limitations in that offense because of the quarterback. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo kind of reminds me of Taylor Heineke a little bit, where he hmm. does the right things. He does the smart things. He doesn't make the dumb plays. There are times where Jimmy Garoppolo makes the dumb plays, believe me. But at the same time, he just does the smart play, the efficient play to move the chains and get the P 
pieces around him in the right position. Perfect example the other night is the Washington Commanders game against the Philadelphia Eagles, if we're just going to move on to other games in the NFL this week. That was Ron Rivera and Scott Turner dialed up a Jimmy Garoppolo and 49ers performance. They ran the ball, they had the time of possession, and their defense had took the ball away. That's why I think the Niners' formula of success is most of the time is that they're not going to beat you by outscoring you. They're just going to you know, control the time of possession, beat you in the trenches, and then take the ball away. And if the Niners ever do play the Philadelphia Eagles in the playoffs, I think that the commanders lay the, blue, the blueprint perfectly out for them. So everyone expecting this offense to be just high-flying and scoring, again, these, these are the same fans that are expecting this shit that complain that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback in the first place. I don't get it. It's crazy. They're, I, I don't... they're, they're winning. They're, they won the damn game at the end of the day. Everybody shut the hell up. Jesus. Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's not that I'm like a Trey Lance hater or anything like that. I think yeah. Trey Lance has some great ability. But uh, I, I maintain this, and I'll say it again, and I said it before the season started. Jimmy Garoppolo makes their Super Bowl window bigger right yeah, you know, now he does. He does. Than, than Trey Lance does. And everyone should admit that. A lot of Niner fans still don't want to admit that, and that's fine because they do have their their prized quarterback just sitting there injured and he can't play right now in, in Trey Lance. But, yeah, this offense can put points up, but it's because of things like field position defense. It's all the other things that make them dangerous. And they, they have some very dynamic players and Debo Samuel and – Chris McCaffrey and shoot Brandon Ayuk started. God, I got to start putting some more respect on that man's name just because of how well he's played this season. I mean, he is, in my opinion, has had his best season. It's break, it's breakout year for him. So um, he's done really well, and 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 they they're doing well, and they have a great coach, a great leader, and I think that team they understand. And when I say the team, the players they understand the limitations of Jimmy Garoppolo helming their offense. But they also understand how darn good he is at, at generally not doing the wrong thing. So I think that kind of brings some calm and elevates everybody's play up. But, yeah, I mean, if you're a Niner fan, don't expect this team to go out there like the Kansas City Chiefs and, and you know, Chiefs of old or when they're really firing on all cylinders and just running people out of town on the scoreboard or the L.A. Rams, you know, at times, even when Jared Goff is their quarterback, just putting up massive amounts of points. You're not going to see that because that's not what the team's designed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, what this team is designed to do is, look, they make their layups. What I mean by that is if they have opportunities that are right for the picking, they go get them. They, don't, they usually don't miss the bunnies. So they, they do the right things there. They run the hell out of the ball. They can beat you down on time possession. Their field position game does not get talked about very much because that's not a sexy topic. But I definitely think Kyle Shanahan understands the whole notion of every 100 yards of field position is roughly about six points. He's very, they're very good at, at doing those kinds of things. So they're a scary team. There is a blueprint out now for the Eagles. Um, I don't know if the Niners can pull it off, but if their roster's darn good enough to do it. So uh, this win over the Chargers, super impressive. Um, I think the Niners right now should be really concerned about two things, staying healthy, stacking up the easy wins. And yep. obviously there's no easy wins in the National Football League. But when you play the Arizona Cardinals, a team that you should beat, you should go beat them. So just keep it rolling. Try to get as many games above 500 as you can now and try to get to that 10-win mark and then see kind of how things shake out towards the end of the season. Get to 10 wins as fast as you can. Real quick, just to 
go back to the Washington Commanders game against the Philadelphia Eagles, who knock off the undefeated Eagles. Yeah. Do you still buy the Eagles uh, after that loss, or did some of their glaring weaknesses kind of make you feel like maybe they're not going to be the best team in the NFC? I think they they will still finish with the best record in the NFC. Um, but just as far as the long term, oh, long term Super Bowl. Because I will admit, Alon, they are susceptible to the run game a little bit. Their linebackers are, you know, they, they still have, they have great linebackers. You know, Hassan Riddick's more of a rush guy. Kaiser White uh, plays on the outside. Um, but one thing that did kind of stand out to me was, and this is something that I always have um, an opinion with, with Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens, teams that are run-oriented, that rely heavily on their running game to score a lot of points. Like the year that the Baltimore Ravens were 14 and two and Lamar Jackson was MVP. That was primarily because their running game was so potent and they were able to then have a lethal passing game because of the threat of the run. But when it came down to the fact that they couldn't run the ball or they were playing from behind, then they would struggle. And that's one thing I noticed with the Philadelphia Eagles in Monday night's game with Jalen Hurts is if he's going to drop back and throw possibly 40 times a game to get them back in the game, I don't know if it's going to look good. That's one. And, and there, they had instances like it wasn't his fault that Quez Watkins caught that deep pass and then got up and fumbled the ball. Um, it's just maybe that their offense is not built like that at this moment. Now they do have great playmakers in AJ Brown and Devonte Smith, but at the same time, I don't know if that offense is built to come from behind. AJ Brown, I mean, was, was taken out of the game. I mean, yeah, yeah, one reception for for under ten yards. So he also was limping a little bit. Yeah, he was limping. So and that happens. That happens in the course of a game. I think Jalen Hurts is not the kind of quarterback. Most quarterbacks you don't want throwing forty passes a game. I think we can all agree on. That. There's a few that you wouldn't mind: Herbert, Allen, Mahomes. Yeah. Those are a few that come to mind real quick. But uh, I but think those, Jay, Yeah, but, but those those teams are capable of coming back because they have – They are. They are because they can do that. So when you don't have a quarterback that you're comfortable throwing that many passes uh, with that high volume, which I don't think they are with Jalen. That's why we haven't really seen it this season. He only threw the 26 passes this past week. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to rely on the running game, and that's that's obvious. Everybody knows that. I, his arm strength is so phenomenal. He's got great arm strength that if they are able to beat people deep, he's generally able to put it in the bread basket, and they're able to get easy scores that way. But what they're going to need come playoff time is they are going to need Jalen Hurts at times to stand in the pocket because teams are going to spy him. They're going to spy him during the playoffs because they're going to say, they can beat us whichever way they can. We can't let him beat us by himself, especially with his legs. He's going to need to really get into that next level of his game, throwing some more intermediate routes, not just quick slants, not just things like that, not just little flanker screens and stuff like that. He's going to need to start hitting these 17-yard digs and over the middle of the field. So has he proven he can done, do that? He's done it at times, but, I mean, nothing's really been high leverage. I think the commanders did a great job. They always seem to have a good defensive plan for their, for their uh, uh, divisional foes. Um, it was an upset, but, uh, yeah, defensively, uh, the Eagles can kind of get hurt in the run a little bit. I wanted to see more out of Miles Sanders in that game, but credit to the Washington Commanders, the commies, as you call them, 
they did a really good job shutting down the run and really trying to trying to make the Eagles play from behind one dimensional. I don't know if that's a blueprint that everybody else can run. I think the Niners have the roster to do it. So to answer the question about do I see them as the best team in the NFC, I've always seen them obviously record-wise as the best team because they are record-wise. I'm still, I thought from the beginning of the season, I think the Niners are the, the best team, the scariest team in the NFC. They're the team that can beat any other team in the NFC, uh, and they can beat most teams in the AFC. I don't think there's a lot of other teams in the NFC that can say that, that they can say, I can beat, we can beat every other team in our, in our conference. I think the Niners maybe are the only one that can do that. Cowboys on a great day can do it too, just because they're uber talented. But I think Niners are clear cut the best team, even if they don't have the best record. What about the Minnesota Vikings? I like the Vikings a lot. I like what they've been able to do. They played in a barn burner this past weekend. Um, I could just ride the old, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins or quarterback. Blah, blah, blah. No, he had a hell of, they had a great win over the Bills. I think the Vikings are really good. And I think Kirk Cousins is playing a heck of a season so far. He threw the ball 50 times. I know he only had one touchdown, but they won the game. Look, if Dalvin Cook keeps running the way that he ran, you know, has, has been running and ran last week or this, this past weekend, they're up there with the Niners, in my opinion. So, but the, I'm going to need to see more of that. I know they have a great record. I know they're 8-1. I, 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 I just don't know if – I don't know if they're good enough. I don't know if they're talented enough to beat some of the other super, super talented teams in the AFC. I would have said that prior to last week's game. Okay. I, I was very impressed with what they were able to do against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Um, and, and that that was the game of the year, hands down. So far. Um, early on in that game, it seemed to me that the Buffalo Bills were the better team. Um, mm-hmm. I still I still think the Buffalo Bills are the better team. I think I thought, they threw it away. The Bills threw that game away, dude. I, I believe so, too. But I will say also it was a mix of the Bills giving that ball, giving the game away, but also the Vikings never giving up and taking okay. that game away from the the Bills. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously, early in that game, Kirk Cousins threw a couple of picks. The Buffalo Bills went up 27 to 10. And at that point, you were like, I don't know how much the Vikings are going to be able to come back in this game. Um, and, of course, Josh Allen was coming off of the injury. It was a question of whether or not he was going to play the whole game or he was going to play in the first place. But he played fine, I thought, for the most part. And then the fourth quarter happened. And then dumb mistakes happened. I don't understand why some teams just can't kick a field goal from time to time. I don't understand why. Like, this happens quite frequently with Sean McDermott with just questionable decisions of going for it. And if you do settle for a field goal, sometimes you're going to lose. But I thought that in the fourth quarter after Dalvin Cook had that touchdown run, the decision to go for on fourth and two where Josh where Josh Allen threw that ball in the end zone and got picked off by Patrick Peterson wasn't the end of the world, but at the same time, it did lead the comeback. And sometimes that just that also feeds it to momentum sometimes. When you kick a field, they'll go up 30-17. to 17, You play defense a little bit and see where you go from there. It's also just adding points. So when you go from 27-10, to 10, and then the Vikings are coming back a little bit after that Dalvin Cook touchdown run. You're up 27 to 17. There's nothing wrong with going up 30 to 17 and making it a 13 point game and seeing where you go from there in the fourth quarter. Coming off of that turnover that Josh Josh Allen had in the end zone, 
then the Vikings were able to go down and score on that drive and make it 23 or 27 to 23. Then you're kind of, you know, clenching up a little bit because you're like, shit, we just gave them momentum to go win this game. And sure enough, the Bills have to punt it back to the Vikings. The Bills defense played great for the most part. Von Miller, you know, shows his presence and sacks Kirk Cousins. And then Justin Jefferson has the catch of a lifetime at fourth and 18. I don't want to go into the whole thing of is the greatest catch of all time. I think we are too hyperbolic these days and just too reactionary, but it was a hell of a catch. I will admit it was fantastic. I'm not ready to say it's the greatest catch of all time, but it was incredible. Yeah. They, and then the, but they don't score on that drive. The Bills still maintain a defensive stand and hold them out of the end zone on a fourth and goal QB sneak. He, Kirk Cousins does not get in. And then you think they win the game. And God, it, it's, it's one of the more craziest things I've ever seen in my life watching football, where literally I thought the game was over. As I told you at the beginning of the podcast, I was on the toilet for most of Sunday because of the six <laughs> atomic wings. So as soon as I saw the Buffalo Bills stop the Vikings on fourth and goal, I was like, game over. I'm going to the bathroom. And then sure enough, I hear Joe Davis going, oh, my God. How Josh Allen fumbled that ball in the end zone on a QB sneak, I'll never understand. You know, that's the thing with the Philadelphia Eagles this season is fourth and goal or fourth and one, every fourth down play, and they, it's short, fourth and inches, they give it to to, um, to Jalen Hurts, and he goes right up the middle and gets the first down. It's routine. He's and that was the one th- yeah, and that was the one thing that was that was tough with you know, being right on the goal line is you had to make sure that you get off the goal line and don't, don't get a safety. Worst case scenario, it's a touchdown. And sure enough, it was. And the Vikings made a fantastic play. And it's a, it's one of those plays that will live in NFL history. Like, um, you know, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic with the same thing of, you know, just Jefferson's catch. This game will be, will be remembered. It's one of the best regular season games of all time. It's not the greatest regular season of all time, but it'll be remembered for, you know, Miracle at the Meadowlands type shit where it's a fumble where you least expect it. Well, all the team has to do is basically run out the clock and they fucked up. So Josh Allen then takes the ball and, you know, does his thing and gets the game to go to overtime. And then, you know, the Bills have their own goal line stand in overtime and then they kick a field goal. Josh Allen has a chance to come back and win the game for them and have an MVP moment. And then he just makes a horrendous throw in the end zone to Patrick Peterson. I'm with you, Alon, 100. It was an entertaining game. It was an entertaining game, the game of the year, and it was equal parts the Bills pissing down their leg and also the Vi- <laughs> the Vikings still having the nuts to stay in that game and not fold and doing everything possible to stay in that game. It was a pr- it was very impressive for the Vikings. It's a little alarming with the amount of turnovers that Josh Allen has had in the last in the last few weeks, but at the same time. I still, I'm still buying the Bills as the best team in the AFC. Yeah, Bill, Bills are still the best team in the AFC, and I don't think there's a question about that. They lost a heartbreaker that they really did lose, and credit still goes to the Vikings. I, I, I think the Bills should have won that game. I kind of did the same thing. I was watching the game, and then I was like, oh well, they stuffed them there on the goal line. I guess it's over. So I got up to go, you know, do something real quick. I come back. I go, what the hell is going on? And 
you know, it shows a lot of uh, intestinal strength on the Minnesota Vikings side, uh, something that maybe you could have used on Sunday with those atomic <laughs> wings. But they uh, they played they played really well and they they stayed with it. I have the same concern or gripe that you do regarding teams not taking points when they should. There are points in a game when you're just when you're up by a couple of touchdowns or you're up in this case by two touchdowns and an extra point. Just just take you know you have an opportunity to go up by that much. You're up by ten. Just take points. Just keep adding points. You have a lead. The the clock is more your friend than enemy at that point. Just keep adding points. Even if you get two or three more field goals, that's you know three, six, nine points. So it's it's something that I kind of wish teams would do more of. I also understand that they kind of look at it like we can end the game right now, get a big touchdown. But clearly you can't because a team like the Minnesota Vikings will just stick around, stick around, stick around, and they won't go away. As far as their playoff um, aspirations are, they're great in the NFC North. I just I just don't see them on the same – I'm still having the opinion that you probably had, like you said, before this game happened. I'm still of that opinion. I, I okay. don't think the Vikings are in that upper, upper echelon yet. I, I'd be kind of foolish not to put them in the top five, at least, though, in the NFC, maybe even four or three, just because of how good their uh, record is. But yeah. um, I don't think they're on the Niners level yet. I still don't think they're as talented as the Eagles. So, but we'll see. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, they, they might, they, if, if they just keep kind of building off of this and going, wow, we really escaped with one there, maybe one that we didn't deserve to win at the end, and, and we really got we got gifted, that can translate into all kind of momentum and really spark a team. And, and this is not a team at 8-1 and one that really needs too much sparking right now. They're doing a very good job. They're having a great season. Bill shouldn't be concerned. Yeah, they're sitting with a handful of loss, three losses, but AFC's really tough, and they just – they just got to get back to business, and 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 Allen needs to flush this one away. He's just coming back, really, kind of most healthy he's been in in a couple of weeks, and he's just got to go. Shit, I I really messed up. I, I messed up with the interception, but that fumble, like, don't guys, that's not going to happen again. And I'm sure that whole team will go. Yeah, we know, we know, it's not going to happen. Yeah, but he also played like crap, and he even said himself, "I played like shit against the Jets." He did. Um, the only the only the only thing you got to worry about with the Bills is, you know, you beat the Chiefs already, head to head this season, and now you got three losses. You just got to make sure that you know you made these moves to get Von Miller, and you beat the Chiefs already this season. You want to have home field advantage, and be the number one seed in the AF, AFC, and you may have screwed that up with this loss. You could have be, and, and and the other thing you definitely screw up is you're not even in front in your own division anymore. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, uh, I still uh, have no doubt that they're going to win the AFC East. I think the Miami Dolphins are a really good team, but I don't buy them as the division winner. They could be a playoff team, but I don't. I'm not buying them as the division winner. Their their schedule gets a hell of a lot harder from here. If you look at the Dolphins' schedule, it gets really tough. As far as the Jets, I don't see them winning the division either. So I think it's the Bills to win. Just as far as the number one seed in the AFC, I think the Bills may have screwed that up. Yeah, and you know the Chiefs. Probably look at that and go, well, there's no, we're not, we can't play too many more, uh, too many more stupid games now. We got two losses. The Bills just lost another. They get three. We're the best team in the AFC in terms of record and probably the best team in the AFC overall. So uh, even though the Bills beat them, but uh, a loss like that against the Do you think the Chiefs are better than the Bills? After that loss, yeah. I, I really, Derek, I put a lot of 
a lot of uh, a lot of onus and blame on the Bills for that game because well, you yeah. haven't won. You haven't won. Just go win. I know it's tough. You're on, I know. I get it. I get it. It's tough, but you're up by 17 points at one point and you blow a lead. Like, who do you think you are, the Raiders? Don't do that, uh, <laughs> Buffalo. Don't don't do those kinds of things. So, I mean, yeah, those two teams are definitely up there. But AFC East is really interesting because everyone's talking about the AFC West being the division where oh, you could see three yeah. teams make it out. It could be the AFC East this year. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick update. It looks like the Warriors are going to start this season 0-8 on the road as we are two minutes away from this game being final. Steph Curry with an unbelievable performance, scoring 50 points, but the Phoenix Suns are up uh, 125 to 112 with two minutes left. So unless something dramatic happens here, um, it looks like the Warriors are going to lose once again. So. Just tough. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on with this team to start off. I know it's you know a lot in the off season. Yeah, Steph Curry with uh, fifty points 50. currently, and you know carrying most of the team again. So Clay Thompson with twelve. Yeah, and two from eight from three point land. Yeah. So uh, yeah, There's no depth scoring right now. Uh, Wiggins is maybe the only guy they can really rely on. Yeah, and their 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 bench is not great right now. They just send James Wiseman down to the G League. So. We'll see where this team is going. I'm not going to freak out. You know, I feel like the season's always getting rushed in the NBA now, and they, you know, I keep saying this, but they had to deal with a lot of bullshit in the off season. We'll see where this goes. Um, they may not be as strong as a season ago, but it's early. It's also really early, so I'm not, I'm not going to freak out over regular season stuff with the Warriors as I was in the past. Just 14 games so far, 15 with this one, and and Golden State wasn't built in a day. So, I mean, just <laughs> just you'll you'll see it you'll see it go on. <laughs> good, good way to end it on. Real quick, I just want to I just want to go through the recap. Um, some of the games from Week Ten. Uh, Buccaneers uh, looking like uh, I guess what they're supposed to be back to five hundred, being the Seattle Seahawks. Not a terrible loss for the Seahawks. I still think they're going to be fine, but they win that game twenty-one to sixteen. Uh, really cool to see the German fans uh, sing uh, "Country Road" and everything. That that, that, was, that was actually pretty cool. Uh, the Bears pissed away a lead as well against the Detroit Lions, and they came back and won that game 31-30 to after Justin Fields had a great touchdown run, but then threw a pick six to his old college teammate, Jeff Akuda. So, uh, yeah, bad loss for the Bears there, but good good, uh, good rally for the Detroit Lions. Chiefs keep rolling. They beat up on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Closer game in the end, 27-17. to The Miami Dolphins, they look like one of the best offenses in all of football, just putting the gas to the pedal or putting the pedal to the gas, whatever you want to say. There. Whatever it's, yeah. Uh, they beat up on the Browns 39-17. to 17. Um, They just look like one of the best offenses in football, and I've been really impressed with what Mike McDaniel has done with that team, of course, acquiring Tyree Kill and all the offensive weapons they got this offseason. So that's a prime example of, you know, building upon something. Brian Flores did have a rough year last year, but also then they started to win games at the end. And I disagree with the move about firing Brian Flores, but then the Miami Dolphins were able to build upon a season ago, and it looks like they're a better team for it. So just a prime example of why there's really no excuses with the Raiders this season, in my opinion. Uh, Giants keep winning. They beat the Houston Texans 24-16. Kenny Pickett gets a win over the New Orleans Saints 20-10. Denver Broncos keep disappointing as they lost to the Tennessee Titans, but the Titans are a very good team, 17-10. Worst game of the week. Yeah. And then um, 
Well, actually, the worst game of the week may have been oh, with th- uh, two Thursday. back quarterbacks. Well, yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean, that, yeah. That, that, that was terrible, too. But Colt McCoy and John Walford filling in for Matthew Stafford and Kyle Murray, uh, Kyler Murray. Um, and the Arizona Cardinals win 27 to 17. Rams right up there with one of the you know mo- most disappointing teams this season, along with the Raiders coming off of the Super Bowl. But and the other one is Super Bowl, so you can't be too mad. But you figure they'd be a good team, and they're just going through a lot of drama right now. Um, we'll see if Matthew Stafford plays. He's dealing with a concussion, and Cooper Cup is on IR for four weeks. So you got to believe that that team is not going to you know they have offensive struggles to begin with. So it's not going to help them out with one of their best players or their you know best offensive player not being there. And then. Um, the Green Bay Packers uh, getting off the schneid and finally beating um, a team in general. They lost, they lost five in a row, and then they managed to beat the Dallas Cowboys, who have a, who have a pretty good defense. But Aaron Rodgers finally finding a target in Christian Watson, the rookie, going for three touchdowns. So good performance by them. Aaron Rodgers at the end said, we're not dead yet, using the old Monty Python uh, <laughs> line. So uh, I like to believe that um, – you know, we'll see. I mean, like the Packers, I guess, still have a shot. I, 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 the Vikings, I believe, are the best team in the NFC North at this point, and they've accumulated so many wins that it'd be hard for the Packers to come back at this point. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I, anything's a go right now in the NFL. I think everything's just so fucking crazy that, with the exception of the Raiders turning things around and making the playoffs, I think anything's possible. That's funny. I, you Sorry. know, the pack, pack, no, it's true though, but the Packers, you know, there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. I mean, all it takes yeah. is for them to go in a and get a wild card spot and some other. Teams we'll see. We'll we'll see how they do tomorrow as we pick our Thursday night game. So, um, Alon, uh, we got the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers, uh, and the Packers are three point favorites, and the over under is at forty one. What are you thinking? I like the over in the game. Okay. Um, I. Do you know that there are some Titans guys out, like uh, Randy Bullock, kickers out? So that's always kind of weird when uh, when a kicker's out for for points. So you never know; there could be some some bad things there. But Bud Dupree, pretty important. He's gone. So is Amani Hooker. But uh, and they're going to be playing with their third string safety, I think, because uh, Lonnie Johnson's out too. But I like the I like the Titans to cover, and I like them to win outright. I think Derrick Henry's going to tear them a new one, and uh, it's just too dominant. And I don't think the Packers can do anything to stop him. And it'll probably be a close game. It'll probably be something like 27-21-ish, 27-24. So, yeah. I, I've been going back and forth with this game. Um, but the way the Packers played a, season, a week ago really impressed me. And mm-hmm. um, I think road teams have a hard time uh, playing on Thursday night games. Um, it's just a short week travel and everything. Eagles managed to do it against the Texans, but the Texans are not a great team. So against my better judgment, I'm going to take the green Bay Packers to win. Um, it's a three point game. So I'm going to lay the points and, um, God, the over is 41. It's so low. You just have to go over with that. (laughs) That's my philosophy on it. 41 is nope, dude. That's so Derek, but it's also Thursday night. It's, it's Thursday also Thursday night. night. We only got forty um, points last um, Thursday. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go under, okay. just to be different. Just to be different. So, so just to just to go over it again, Alon. So I write this down, so I'm not forgetting. You're taking the Titans to win. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You, I mean, obviously the cover, and you're going over. Yes. And I'm taking Green Bay. I'm laying the points, but I'm going under. All right. Give me, give me Derrick Henry with over 150 yards rushing and two touchdowns. You'll take that every day because you love him from Alabama. <laughs> He's so good, though. He's so good. He's so good. <laughs> All right, my man. Well, thank you uh, for, uh, you know, hearing me uh, go off on the Raiders. And um, hopefully things change. Hopefully things change for the better. But uh, I don't know if it's happening this season. But I don't want to be a negative Nancy. Um I hate Nancy. I know. Um, but you know what? Maybe this is what they need. Maybe this is... You know, Derek Carr's cries were the rallying cry for them to start getting their shit together. But um, as always, Alon, I appreciate you making time to hang out. Um, and we'll see you about this next week. Obviously, with Thanksgiving and everything, I may try to squeeze in a show with Steven on Monday. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if there's enough time. But thanks as always, my man. And as always, I'll let you close out the show. Hey, Derek, that's just your opinion, man. Oh, 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 oh,